So, again, this was not the message I had planned for this Sunday. Um, it just seems to happen that way. And it might have been something I should have preached months ago to kind of save any damage that you've already caused. <laughs> but it's, it's, so let me just kind of get into it. We have a big week ahead of us. Tuesday's a big day. A lot of, a lot of significance, a lot of importance is placed on who becomes president, and rightly so. And maybe I'm cynical. Okay, I am. But maybe this is a cynical statement. It seems like every major election you hear that this is the most important election in the history of our country. And I believe that this is an important election. Um, Facebook is full of compelling arguments, right? From every side of the aisle and other aisles that we didn't know existed. Um, and I'm okay with that. I mean, I understand that that we want to correct false views and refute claims and make points in favor of whatever candidate that we support. I get all that. I really, really do. But could I challenge you this week? I know it's hard with all the noise, but can I challenge you to put your faith ahead of your politics? And that's what I'm saying. Maybe I should have preached this a couple of months ago because some of us may have already blown it. But we get so wrapped up in this party or that party. And we put all of our faith and hope in, in who gets elected and who doesn't get elected. And, we, and, and, I, and I, I believe there's significance there. And I believe it's going to have an impact on us personally and on our country as a whole. But as believers, I believe this, that we intuitively know that our faith should be in the forefront during this election. I think as we just know, as a matter of fact, I think that's, for many of us, it's our belief system that causes us to support a particular candidate. Because we feel like this candidate most closely resembles what our Christian faith is all about. It's so much a part of who we are that it can't help but influence the choices that we make. And many of us believe that our faith is why we make the decisions that we do in the voting booth. Here's what I find interesting is that both sides, let me not limit it to that, all the sides can find something that Jesus said to support their viewpoints. It's like, you know, when two teams, sport teams, play against each other, and they're all praying for the victory. It's like, what does God do? I don't want to disappoint either one. But we can all find something that Jesus said that supports our political view, and we will all want Jesus on our side. But Jesus did not come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. And Jesus always had a different way of looking at life. And we want to nail him down to one or two or three sides. And we want everyone to know that this is, I vote this way because this is how Jesus would vote. And I don't know that Jesus really appreciates that a lot. 
Because I think that there were too many times in Scripture where they tried to get him to take sides, and he did not take sides. But if Jesus was a registered voter in America today, who would Jesus vote for? Don't say anything. Man, I left myself wide open there. But if he were, that's a rhetorical question, all right? You don't have to say anything. But if he were a registered voter in America today, who would he vote for? And more importantly, I think, how would he treat those he disagreed with or those who disagreed with him? Jesus modeled for us something that we all need, and that was Jesus put people before politics. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole message. Don't get up and leave. But that's the whole message. Jesus put people ahead of politics. And here's what I'm, here's what I'm finding. In the middle of all the noise and all of the videos and bumper stickers and memes, are we losing relationships over it? And I get it. They're going to vote they're going to vote differently than you do, and you're right, and they're wrong, and I get all of that, and, and we're passionate about it, and we definitely don't want that person in the White House. Isn't that what it's kind of come down to? It's not really who we're for, but who we're against. I saw a comic strip last night, uh, Shoe, you know, that one comic strip, and the guy goes to a fortune teller and says, what is your, who does your crystal ball say is going to be the next president? And the fortune teller says, I don't know, every time I ask it, it throws up. <laughs> That's about how I feel. I mean, it's like, it's not so much that I'm really excited about a particular candidate. It's more that I don't want a different, another candidate. You know, it's just, and, and it's a shame that that's kind of where we are. But it is where we are. But I believe this, I believe that loving people and putting them in front of politics doesn't mean that you're not passionate about your political views. It just means that the people who disagree with you are still important to God. And that's a big statement. That the people who don't get it, right? The people who just don't understand, the people who just don't see things from your point of view are still important to God. But I believe this. I believe, and this is not original, but, th- but I believe this. We all want what is best for people. But we disagree on what is best for people. Right? We all want what is best for America. We just disagree on what is best for America. We want what is best for our neighbors. We just disagree on what is best for our neighbors. And what we tend to argue about and what divides us as a people and what divides us as a country and what creates all of the noise is what is best. Jesus knew what was best for people. And continually, throughout his ministry, they try to paint him into a corner, get him to choose sides. Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar or no? Well, let's see. If Jesus says, yes, you should, then the Jewish people are going to be angry because they don't think you should pay Caesar. But if I say, no, you shouldn't, then I'm going to be in trouble with the government. So what does he say? He says, give me a coin. 
He holds a coin up and says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. He didn't land on either side, did he? All right, Jesus, here we got this woman taken into adultery. The Bible says we're supposed to stone, Scripture says we're supposed to stone her to death. What do you say? Isn't it interesting that he didn't bring the man for stoning? And Jesus just doesn't take sides. He just says, all right, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And eventually all the rocks dropped and they went away. And Jesus had this ability to see things from such a unique vantage point. So Christian, believer, follower of Christ, how about let's try to imitate the behavior of Jesus Christ and rather than so vehemently take sides that we ruin relationships, let's kind of get an idea of what Jesus might have done in this election year. And I know he would have put people first. So they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gives them an answer in Matthew chapter 22. He says this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. But then like in the same breath, without even a pause, he he continues and he says, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We've heard this all of our life. And this is what we love about Jesus. He emphasizes the importance of human relationship in the same context as your relationship with God. So, Mr. Christian, so, Mrs. Christian, so, follower of Jesus, you are voting for a particular candidate and you are defending their views because of what you think Jesus wants you to do and wants you to believe. But then we treat the person who disagrees with you so poorly that you're not abiding by the second commandment. So here's, I think, what Jesus is saying is that you can demonstrate how much you love God by how you treat the people he loves. Maybe even more so than what you do in the voting booth. So you can demonstrate your love for your heavenly father. Not so much by voting for a particular candidate, although God knows I want you to vote your conscience. I really just want you to vote what I would do. But, you know, Kathy was telling me earlier, she said, Oh, so we're talking about politics today. I said, yeah. She's like, I'm okay with that as long as you believe what I do. (laughs) So, So I think that this is a pretty critical statement here. I'm okay with you believing what you believe and voting who you vote for. And I want you to do your research, and I want you to deliberate, even debate. That's fine. I want you to have an opinion, and I want you to have a strong opinion about it. I just want you to make sure that you're careful with the relationships with the people who don't necessarily see things your way. Because we all want what's best. We just disagree on what is best. Here's a few thoughts about, like, the differences that we have of opinion. I've had a couple aha moments, right? 
probably about 10 years ago. I was surprised that some people that I really like were Democrats. It's like, I just thought everybody who was a Christian was a Republican. Right? And I know I'm treading carefully here. I'm just, I, I mean, and that was meant to be more funny than you took it. <laughs> but it was like, I just, it was an aha moment for me. I mean, I've been raised that way. That's, that's how my mom and dad raised me. And that's, you know, if it had an R after the name, you just voted for it. And that's just, and then I went to churches that would say, I remember this. I remember being in a church in Texas and the pastor got up and said, said, uh, make sure you vote for the bush of your choice on Tuesday. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I came from. So it was a surprise to me when I began to have friendships with people who didn't believe the same thing as I did politically, and I liked them. And they were smart people. And they were, and I believe they were good Christians. But they believed something different politically than I do. We agreed that we both wanted what was best for our country. We just didn't agree on what was best for our country. So here's just a few thoughts that I had. Everybody's behavior makes sense to them, right? But your political views and your political opinions make sense to you too. And when you don't understand how someone can believe something, how in the world can they believe that that's okay? It's likely because they know something you don't know. Now, I'm not saying that that would make you change your mind. But have you had a conversation? Have you tried to figure out where they're coming from? And if you think you know it all, and that someone who disagrees with you knows nothing, then you're on the verge of being arrogant. And I don't think God takes kindly to arrogance. And so here you are, a follower of Christ. And you may be right politically, but then pride fills your heart, and you're not right spiritually. So it is really quiet in here. Has anybody else noticed that? But what I, my point is, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for this morning. I don't think that's my job. I want to encourage you that whoever you disagree with, you still have the opportunity to influence after Tuesday. 1 Corinthians 13, one of the most incredible verses of Scripture in all the Bible, says if you understand everything, and if you know, have all knowledge, so think, think about this. Even if you're right, you have all knowledge, all the information necessary to form an opinion. And if you have all understanding, you're able to apply everything you know. Paul says, that's great. But if you don't have charity, if you don't have love, Paul says, you are nothing. This is hard. This is, this is difficult because you may be correct politically and not be right with God spiritually. 
You might be right in your political opinions, but not right with somebody else. And Paul says, inspired by God to write it, that even if you do know it all, and even if you do have all the understanding, if you don't treat them well, if you don't have charity, then you're nothing. And I know that it's kind of a quaint little phrase, but it seemed to fit here really well. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. I think there's a lot to that. What you know is important and what you understand is important, but how you love is most important. I believe this. I believe you should have an opinion politically. I get it. Some of you are already irritated with me. I can tell. I'm all right with that. I'm not saying you shouldn't have an opinion. And to be honest with you, if you and I have a conversation, there's a good likelihood I'm going to agree with you. Okay? I believe we all have an opinion politically, and you should have an opinion. I believe you should discuss your opinion. I think you can even debate your opinion. But I don't think you should argue your opinion at the expense of losing your influence. And that's what happens. Because as believers, we are called to influence this generation for Christ. And if I lose my ability to have, have influence on somebody else, then I've kind of missed the mark in why I'm here. And my politics is now before people. And I need to keep my people before my politics. So here's two easy suggestions to help you put people before politics. Number one, give space. Give them some space. Give them a little latitude. This year's election choices are less than ideal. Can we agree on that? They are less than ideal. I don't know how the heck we ended up with these two or three or four, wherever you're, you know, whatever. I, I mean, seriously, I don't understand how this happened unless you're a conspiracy theory like I am, theorist like I am, right? I think they put us in a position where A or B are both bad choices, but I feel this, I feel like even though our choices are less than ideal, we should still do our research and we should deliberate, even debate, that's fine. But let's give space for people to disagree, even if ultimately you think they're dead wrong. Just give them some space, and then secondly, just show them some grace. Give space and show grace. Can we, as believers, as followers of Christ, extend grace to those who make different political choices than we do? And can I say it again? It's not that I want you to agree. I'm not asking you to give up your position. I'm asking you to be a Christian. And put people before politics. A good friend of mine that I have breakfast with regularly. He's kind of a mentor in some areas of my life. He's an unbeliever. And we have diametrically opposing political views. And he sees sees things, and I try to wrap my brain around it. And I try to understand where he's coming from. But we disagree. And we can, this is just me being honest with you, I can only take it for so long. Right? I mean, it's like, it's like there's, there's only, and we, and we both kind of know where that tipping point is. 
Right, I'm trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. We're talking about things. And it kind of gets to the point where we just kind of look at each other. It's like, we need to check, don't we? <laughs> check, please. We're done here. And there are times when I'll, you know, Melissa will say, hey, how'd it go with so-and-so? I'm like, whoo, one of those days, you know, we just kind of pushed each other too far. But I love him. And I want to win him to Christ one day. And I'm afraid that if, that if something, he's an older gentleman, I'm afraid if something happens to him, he's not a believer. And ultimately, that's my biggest concern, is to be able to influence him for Christ. And that ought to be your greatest concern. Just this last week, I was having a conversation with somebody about this topic, and she said, you know, I'll be honest with you. I have a, a brother who hasn't talked to me for five months because of my political views. Folks, that goes beyond Tuesday, doesn't it? That's what we're trying to avoid here. Maintain the relationship, even though you don't agree. Give them some space and show them some grace. I know, <laughs> I know they don't deserve it. All right, I know it, but neither do you. Seriously, grace wouldn't be grace if the recipient deserved it. It's no longer grace. So sure, they can be dead wrong, but you still show them grace. As a matter of fact, Grace is the most powerful when it is the least deserved. And what greater way to show Jesus to this world and influence those that you have an influence with than to show them grace when they least deserve it, kind of like you. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were in a position where we deserved absolutely nothing from Jesus Christ. And yet, look what we get to enjoy because of the grace he has shown to us. And we need grace in our own lives. And I want to encourage you to show grace to other people. Vote the way you want to vote. Do what God wants you to do. But don't hurt relationships in the process. Put people before politics. Vote your faith. Vote the way you believe Jesus wants you to. Ask for wisdom, but treat people with a lot of grace and give them some space to disagree with you. Maybe it's because I'm older, but I have learned that sometimes people don't like my opinion. I know that's hard to believe, right? I mean, you know me. It's like, who wouldn't want my opinion about stuff? But it's like, sometimes just being nice and keeping your mouth shut is the best decision. Not that you're wrong, but they just don't care. And you do more damage by trying to correct them than by just being their friend. And I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I know this, I've needed a lot of grace in my life. 
maybe you're visiting with us today and and, and you, you don't know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the grace that was extended and shown to you has to be received. It's already there. It's a gift. And we'd love to help you with that this morning. Introduce you to Jesus Christ. The difference maker. The one who sacrificed himself to have a relationship with you. Let's have a word of prayer. God, we don't know what's going to happen. I've been disappointed with our outcomes politically many times in the past. And I pray that we would just put our faith and trust in you, and that we would act like believers and people who have a greater hope and people who are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, and that we would give space and show grace accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.